Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Thank you for joining us this morning. As you are coming in the room, you know how we do. Come in, say hello, give some hearts, say hello, let us know where you're watching from. If you all give me just a moment, I'm going to go on my computer so I can share the broadcast to some of my groups. We have an exciting, exciting morning set for you. Hopefully you just are coming over from Kristen Valley Worships uh, where her, Pastor Chris and Elder Valley were uh, bringing us into uh, worship this morning. Uh, always a dynamic experience. Uh, always love to hear Chris just worship and I love to hear Valley play and I can't wait till we're all back together again so we can do it live and even for those of you who don't live here you can see us live because we're working on plans to keep our e-church going so let me just say good morning to all of you good morning Tanya good morning uh, Graham good morning Jamie uh, good morning Nitra good morning Brenda good morning um, was that Larissa, Susan, uh, Mish, Natasha, um, who else is that? Brenda, listen, good morning to all of you. Um, I'm just excited that you're here. Good morning, Mama San. Good morning, Natasha. Listen, we are, we, are, we are in exciting times. We are in exciting times. I can't tell you how uh, wonderful it is that week after week, we keep getting testimonies about how awesome uh, God is performing in somebody's life. Good morning, Kenosha. Good to see you this morning. Hope you're feeling better. Hope you're recovering rapidly uh, from that accident. Good morning, Dexter. Uh, listen, I have a couple of announcements I'm going to make, and I know a lot of you usually join us on um, Instagram. We're going to start Instagram in just a few minutes. Uh, so for those of you who used to watching us over there, I'm going to start that in a few minutes. Uh, I have several announcements I need to make and some opportunities I want to share with you. So uh, Instagram only gives us an hour, uh, and I'm afraid if I, if I start them right now, by the time I get an opportunity to go to uh, the actual teaching, it'll end up cutting off. So give me just a few minutes. Uh, I'll make some announcements. Listen, go ahead and share. Uh, there's about 40 of you on here now. Tag our partners, uh, my admins and my editors out there. Please make sure this gets shared to the FOC private group as well. Uh, I've got a couple of places that I too will share it to. I said I was going to do that and I started talking to you guys. So give me just a minute. Uh, I want to make sure that that gets uh, shared to uh, our, D our DMV group and a couple of other places. So uh, listen, as, you're, as my admins are doing that, uh, you can see what we're talking about this morning. We're going to talk about why obedience is important to God. Uh, this is week 28. This is week 28 uh, of our e-church. Uh, it won't be, uh, we won't be ending e-church even when we come back in person, but uh, this is week 28 since we have been quarantining away from meeting in person. And I just got to tell you, God has been so faithful to us. I've seen literally so many churches who have that have closed their doors, pastors who've walked away, members who decided, you know, they just couldn't could, they couldn't meet in person and it wasn't church. Uh, but I want to tell you, Fellowship of Champions, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys have hung in there. You have, you've, you've come to Tuesday night prayer. You've come to Wednesday night Bible study. You've been on Mindset Mondays. You've been uh, taking any kind of classes. We've been offering the marriage essentials. You guys have been digging in to make sure that your life is better at the end of this pandemic than it was before. And as your pastor, that makes me feel proud, proud of you because I get to pastor mature adults and I can't tell you how great that feels. And Pastor Sean and I were talking about that, that, you know, literally Fellowship of Champions has flourished during the pandemic. Uh, but that's because we believe the word of God. And then we got in the word and we made the word of God our truth. We didn't go by what we were seeing and what we were hearing. We were just relying upon the word of God. And so that's been uh, so good for us. So um, let me let me begin by just sharing uh, with you some of our announcements. I think we've got uh, about 60 of you online now. Go ahead. Once again, let's 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 do some social media outreach. If you haven't shared, go ahead and share it to your page, share it to any groups you belong to, tag any partners, my admins and editors, make sure this gets shared to our FOC um, uh, private group. Uh, some of them are on there and not on here. And then just anybody you think this could be a blessing to, go ahead and tag them and share it uh, this morning. Uh, if you wanna do a watch party, by all means, you can do that too. Uh, that, that attracts people who may know you, but may not know Pastor Sean and I, and it may get a chance to introduce uh, them to this word. So let's start with the announcements. As you know, every week we have a week packed full of opportunities for you to be able to enjoy the word of God. It starts off on Mondays. On Mondays, we have Mindset Monday with Pastor Sean. She does that from her personal page. Uh, you can join her at noon on Mindset Monday. Uh, she talks about a myriad of different things. She talks about uh, you know, healing. She talks about mindset change. She talks about money. Whatever the Lord puts on her heart that helps you to change your mindset. Why is that important? Because we know that if you change your thinking, you can absolutely change your life. So join her on Mondays for that. And then on Tuesday nights, I really encourage you to join us at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for prayer. Uh, one of our dynamic uh, prayer intercessors from our church uh, will be leading that prayer. Uh, and you don't have to pray. We don't bring you on uh, video, so you don't have to feel uncomfortable. All you have to do is just, just tune in, just join us. Uh, you will hear all the various prayer initiatives that they're praying over. Uh, I like it because it's the way we get to connect together through uh, the Internet because we share uh, what the Lord is saying to us back and forth in the comment section. We agree with what's being prayed for. Uh, we pray for each other. We love on each other. We get to see each other's names even if we can't see each other in person. So uh, it keeps us connected that way. So that's on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we have what's called Refresh Bible Study. And it's an awesome, awesome opportunity for you to get some additional teaching. Uh, and I love that Pastor Ralph wraps that Refresh Bible Study around whatever theme we're teaching on. Uh, it's just a way to go deeper uh, and to get some more practical uh, teaching and understanding around the Word of God and what it is that God is saying to us during this particular season. So I encourage you at 8.30 to join him. Uh, it's on his personal page, Ralph Marlowe, or you can also watch it uh, right here on Fellowship of Champions.
Champions page. It's broadcast here as well. And so I encourage you to do that on Wednesday nights. And then, of course, on Sundays, you know, Sunday morning is our big day, right? It's the day that we all come together and, and we worship and we honor God for all that he's done for the week. Uh, it starts at 9.30, 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. We have Kristen Valley Worships. Her and, and Elder Valley, uh, they come and they lead us into worship. They help us till up that ground to get ready to receive the word that either I or Pastor Sean is going to bring to you immediately after that at 10 o'clock. So I want to encourage you to come uh, be a part of that. Partners, get connected. And I'm not just talking about local partners, even our virtual partners. You can be a part of all of those things. It doesn't have to just be Sunday, okay? So you can come, you can be a part, you can build up your life, build up your faith, build up your love walk. Uh, why? Because we want you to prosper in the things of God. You know, part of our motto here at Fellowship of Champions is that we want to teach people how to walk in love, how to live by faith so that they can experience prosperity in every area of their life. And when we talk about prosperity, we don't just mean money. We mean money, but we don't just mean money. But we want you to be prosper in every area of your life, in your relationships, on your job, in your health, in your mind. And so in order for that to happen, you have to participate, as Pastor Sean says, in your own rescue. What does that mean? That means that I have to go and I have to tune in on Mondays. I have to go. I have to tune in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I have to go and be a part of what's happening on Wednesdays on, on, on Sundays in order for me to be able to participate in my own rescue. Amen. Now, listen, I have a couple things before I get into the teaching this morning. I have a couple things uh, that I want to remind you about. Number one, I want to remind all of our parents about Victory Zone. This is week three of Bible Basics in Victory Zone. And Pastor Nitra is actually the person who, who did this week. Uh, the video is available. You can go to www.flcchurch.com and you can have your kid sitting right beside you with their headphones on or whatever, on their tablet, on their computer, on their phone, and you can have them watch those Victory Zone lessons. I'm telling you, this is Bible Basics. This is week three. Uh, and I think this week is, is entitled God. God is good. If I, if I remember that correctly, this week is God is good. And you want your kids to know how good God is. You don't want them wondering, having to guess about it. So let's build up that foundation uh, in them. Fellowship of Champions, that's not just for our local partners, even those of you who have little ones who, who join us virtually during the week. You can go to www.focchurch.com and you can have your little ones watching uh, those videos uh, and kids know how to navigate iPads and tablets. They can probably do it better than most adults. So uh, just show them where the website is and they can go and watch this one from this week and they can go back and watch several more. Uh, and it's a lot better than some of that other stuff that they're probably watching on their tablets uh, when you're not looking anyway. Amen. All right. Great. So before I begin teaching, I have a couple of things I want to offer to you. I want to make available to you. Number one, uh, listen, the people at FOC ain't been playing during this pandemic. They've been working. You hear me? They have been working and they have been working to make your life better. And uh, so we have Chandra Washington, who is our uh, chief intercessor at our, at our ministry here. And, and, and she leads prayer and she's taught prayer and she teaches about prayer. And, and she's in by, by her natural training. She's a, she's a, a pharmacist. And so she understands the spiritual and the natural and, and, and all of those things. And what she has done is she's taken the time to put together something I want to show you is called, uh, pray the word, a guided journal to pray in the scripture. A guided journal to pray in the scripture by Chandra Washington. Listen, you can get this workbook, okay? 
Bible says men ought to always pray. Men ought to always pray. The problem is you need to know how to pray effectively. You need to know how to pray effectively. So my admins or anybody out there, if you have the link uh, for how to get it's this up. book. Uh, it's up. Okay, it's already up, praise God. If you have the link uh, right there on your page, look, click this. Let me explain something to you. This book, this, this, this workbook, this guide will revolutionize how you pray, okay? You won't just be uh, begging in a plea. This will teach you how to target your prayer life so that you actually get results, okay? And so I want to encourage you uh, to get Chandra's book. Uh, it's called Pray the Word, a guided journal to praying the scriptures. You need to get this in your life, amen? And then my boo then sold out of all of her books, but you can still order it and you can get the e-copy. It's 30 Days of Healing. 30 days of healing. Listen, what I'll tell you about this is you don't want to wait until you are in a faith fight to learn about healing. Okay. You want to understand what the scripture says and what the promises are to the believer about healing before you get into a faith fight. So I'm sure this is already up, but in case it's not my admins, editors, y'all put the link up to get this book right here. Listen, it'll change your life. You don't want to be dealing with a crisis, trying to build up your faith while you're in the midst of a fight, right? You want to train for the fight before the fight comes. That's why boxers train months and months before they have a fight. Why? Because they're getting ready. They're not trying to train while they're in the ring. So you want to make sure you get this book, 30 Days of Healing. It will absolutely change your life. Now, I know y'all thought that was it, but that ain't it. I don't have a, a hard copy in front of me, but Pastor Ralph Marlowe has released his book. It's called Good Isn't Good Enough. In other words, it's saying it's a book about marriage and how you how you prepare for marriage and how you how you interact in marriage. And then even if you got a good marriage, you can't stop at good. Right. We all know the adage that the enemy to great is good. We're talking about having great marriages. So he has a book that's been released. You can go to his website at www.ralphrafmarlow.com. Uh, and if I said that wrong, if it's not, I think it's Ralph, not Raphael, Marlo.com. Uh, Ralph, somebody put that in the comment section. You can go to his webpage and order that book. Listen, I don't care how good you think your marriage is. It's room to get better. And you ought to want it to be better. Amen. You ought to want your marriage to get better. So you can get the prayer journal book. You can get the, the 30 days of healing book. And you can get the marriage book. Why? Because we are putting resources out there in order for you to participate in your own rescue. In order for you to make your life the prosperous life it can be. Amen. And then you heard Kristen Valley this morning said, you can go to her website. If you haven't ordered a t-shirt, you can order the t-shirt from her page. Get you, get you some gear, get you some, they call it swag, get you some swag, get you something that you can, that you can wear out so that people know, uh, who, who you are and what you stand for. You know, if people can wear, uh, t-shirts that say all kind of derogatory things on it, well, you can get you one that exemplifies your love and, and, and your dedication to the Lord. Okay. So those are some things that you can do, uh, this morning. Hopefully I didn't forget anything. I've talked about victory zone. I've talked about Chandra's book. I talked about Pastor Sean's book. I talked about Ralph's book. I talked about Chris's t-shirts. 
Um, I've talked about how you can join us for, for, for everything we're doing during the week. So I hope I did not miss anything. I hope I've gotten everything to you because now I want to get into the word. Amen. I want to get into the word. Listen, if you're ready, go ahead and type in the comment section. This will be the first thing that you do as I get ready to start IG. Type in the comment section. Just type this. I'm ready for the word. I am ready for the word. I hope you are. I hope you are ready for the word. I'm going to be teaching this week and next week because I did not want to rush what I'm talking to you about. I want to talk to you this morning about why it's important to God that we are obedient. Why it is important to God that we are obedient. And then next week, I want to come and I want to lay out for you the benefits to that obedience, okay? I want to lay out the benefits to that obedience. Hello to all of you that are coming in on IG. We didn't forget about you. I know it may seem like we're a little late if you weren't on FOC's page, but I had a bunch of announcements I wanted to make this morning. Uh, we'll make some at the end if we have some time and you can hear those. Uh, but welcome, 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 welcome. We're getting into the word this morning. I am talking from the subject, why obedience is important to God. And then next week, I'm going to be talking about the benefits of our obedience. Listen, we talk here at Fellowship of Champions about faith a lot. We talk about faith a lot because we know that the Bible says that all the promises of God are received by faith. And so we believe that God has a myriad of promises available to us. And because God has a myriad of promises available to us, then it's important for us to know how to access those promises. And so we understand and we know that faith starts or faith begins where the will of God is known. So no matter what we're teaching about, you're probably going to hear a mixture of this idea of walking by faith and this idea of walking in love. And so we talk about it from the standpoint that if you desire something from the Lord, you first of all need to know what he's already made available. And then once you know what he's made available, you need to understand the necessary principles of the methodology in order to walk out uh, the steps that will cause you to walk into those promises that he's already made available. Many of you have heard us say this before, and I'm going to take just a few moments to talk about it before we get into our, our, our scripture this morning. And then I'm just going to lay out for you uh, the eight reasons, the eight reasons why obedience is important to God. And then we're going to get out your way and we're going to come back next week. And next week you don't want to miss because we're going to talk about the benefits of all of our obedience. But today I want to lay a foundation of why it's important to God. And let me just say this before I begin. God does not seek our obedience because he is some narcissistic leader. He, he, he's not some hard taskmaster who wants to dominate uh, those who have submitted their lives to him. God has one simple reason that he wants his children to obey. It is so that they can possess everything he has made available to them. Understand, God loves us tremendously, and God loves us whether we're obedient or disobedient. And I'm going to keep saying that because I don't want people thinking, oh, well, if I'm a disobedient, God doesn't love me. No, no, no. God loves you whether you are obedient or disobedient. But God won't change his system or structure just because he loves you. He has a system and structure, and his desire is that we would get in line with that system and structure 
because out of that system and structure is where all the blessings flow from. And so what he wants us to do is to obey him so that we always live within the boundaries of where that blessing is flowing. Okay, so God doesn't want us to obey because he doesn't want us to have fun. He doesn't want us to obey because he's a mean father. He doesn't want us to obey because he's a hard taskmaster. He doesn't want us to obey because he's narcissist and he just wants us to do everything he says. No, God wants us to obey because he so loves us. He wants us to follow in the pathway that he's laid out for us where all of the blessings and everything that pertains to godliness and life resides. Amen. So we've talked about this uh, several times before, but I wanted to mention it again this morning. It is important that in order for you to walk in any truth, there are four things that are necessary. In order for you to walk in any truth, there are four things that are necessary. Well, what is the truth that I want you to walk in today? The truth that I want you to walk in today is that it is important to God that we are obedient. Yes, there's benefits for us. We'll talk about that next week. But the truth I want you to get today is that obedience from us is important to God. And I want you to understand why it's important to God. Again, not because he's all those mean things we listed, but because he loves us. He wants to be a blessing to us. He wants to see us prosper. He wants us to do well. He wants us to be in health, even as our soul is prospering. He wants wealth and prosperity and everything that pertains to life and godliness to be in our lives. That's why obedience is important to God. But in order for me to walk in that truth, to not just hear it intellectually, but to walk it out, there are four things that are necessary. Number one, I must have a revelation. What is a revelation? A revelation is simply an illumination of something I did not know before. It is an opening of my eyes, my mind to something new and something brilliant, something better than what I knew before. So number one, I got to get a revelation. See, I may have had a revelation in the past that God wants me to be obedient because uh, he wants me to do what he says. Well, that's one revelation. But the other revelation is a higher revelation is that God wants me to be obedient because he wants me to be in a position to receive all of his best. See, when you get a revelation like that, it changes your speech, it changes your actions, and it changes your obedience, okay? And so make sure, number one, you got to get the right revelation. If you're going to walk in any truth, you got to have the right revelation. Number two, you need a role model. Now, that role model can be a contemporary individual. It can be a historical individual. Uh, for me, many cases, I look, I look to Jesus himself. Jesus is a great role model. How did Jesus handle this situation? How did the people who followed Jesus handle that situation? Uh, but whoever it is, I need a role model. I need somebody I can look to, someone who has obtained the promise, someone who has gone where I'm trying to go. So if I'm going to walk in any truth, I got to have a revelation and then I need to have a role model, you know, and that role model can be uh, a family member. It can be a biblical character. It can be anybody who has done what I'm trying to do as long as they have done it in the way um, that is pleasing to God if we're believers, right? I can't look at someone who, who, who sold drugs and made a million dollars and say, oh, I want to be like them unless I want to be a drug dealer, which is outside the will of God for my life. You understand what I'm saying? So I got I to gotta get a revelation. And number two, I got to get a role model. And then number three, I have to develop, what, develop what's called a regiment of faith. I need a systematic way in order to keep my eyes illuminated and to keep my eyes on my role model. 
And I need a, I need a systematic regimen of faith that something I can do every day that leads me toward my goal. Uh, you know, if my if my goal is to learn how to uh, to pray more effectively, okay, then number one, I got to get a revelation about why prayer is important. Number two, I got to get a role model. Look at some people in the Bible who 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 prayed and, and got results. Look at some people in your natural life or some people who you can you can look to uh, who are modern day contemporaries and see the results they got when they prayed. OK, and then I need to find a regimen of faith. I got to find out what are they doing systematically that produces these kind of results. So if I'm going to walk in any truth, I got to have a revelation. OK, number two, I got to have a role model. And then number three, I need a regimen of faith, a systematic way to employ the actions that will get me to my desired results. And then number four, if I'm going to walk in any truth, I got to have a righteous resolve. What is a righteous resolve? That means I don't quit every time things get tough. It means I don't give up. I don't cave in. I don't quit. It means I have a righteous resolve that says even while I'm doing good, even if I don't see the results of it, I don't stop doing good because I'm not getting the results. I keep doing what I know I'm supposed to do, knowing and believing that the results are going to show up. I got to have a righteous resolve. I can't let every little problem, every little setback, every little pitfall cause me to give up on everything I say I'm believing for. So if I'm going to walk in this truth, and what's the truth I want to walk in today? That obedience is important to God. If I'm going to walk into this truth that obedience is important to God, then I got to have a revelation, right? I got to have a role model. Who's my role model? I can look at Jesus. Jesus says, I don't do anything except what the Father instructs me to do. Why? Because he understood how important obedience was to the Father. So Jesus becomes my role model. And then I got to have a regimen of faith. How do I, in the midst of everything going on, keep doing the right thing? I got to look and find me a role model, see what my role model did. And I do what my role model did. And then number four, I got to have a righteous resolve. So that's what I got to have if I'm going to walk in any truth. Now, once I begin to walk in truth, well, now my faith begins to grow. And as my faith begins to grow, then we understand that I can have certain expectations. There are certain expectations that I have when my faith is growing. Once I've gotten a revelation, once I got a role model, once I got a regimen of faith and I'm following it consistently, and once I've determined I'm not going to give up caving or quit and I got my righteous resolve going, there are certain expectations I can have because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as a result of that, because he is consistent, I can have some expectations when I am now walking in faith because of the revelation and truth that I have received. So in order for you uh, to have these expectations, you have to know what they are. So there are what we call five faith expectations. You've heard us teach this before, but it's good review. Five faith expectations. When you are in faith, number one, the first thing you can always expect from God is a plan of action. You can expect to get a plan of action from the Lord. God will tell you what to do and what he tells you to do may be vastly different than what he tells someone else to do, even if you're trying to get to the same goal. That's why it's important that you hear from Holy Spirit. OK, you got to have a plan of action. And after you get a plan of action, he's going to give you wisdom to implement that plan of action. So you need a plan of action and then you need a wi the wisdom of God. Once God gives you the wisdom to do what he's told you to do, once you step out to do it, now you're going to find number three, the favor of God. 
So you're going to have you, you can when you are in faith, you can expect a plan of action. You can expect the wisdom of God. Then you can expect the favor of God. And then number four, when you're doing those things, you can also be believing and expecting God for a miracle. Now, we've said before that you can't plan a miracle. You can't determine when a miracle is going to show up, but you can always be in expectation of one. What is a miracle? It's God's ability to do something supernatural beyond the bounds of what's human, humanly ordinary. That God can intervene on your behalf and do something supernatural uh, that only he can do in your life. And so you can always be believing God for a miracle. And then the fifth expectation is that you have the strength to endure until change comes. It kind of goes along with the idea of having a righteous resolve. Listen, when we are in faith, we don't allow what we can see, what we can touch, what we hear. We don't allow our five senses to dictate to us how we're going to live. We walk by faith. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I walk by faith. I walk by faith. Pastor Edwin, why are you talking about faith if you're talking about obedience? I'm glad you asked. Because once you understand how to walk in any truth, and then once you understand what your five faith expectations are, then you need to understand how faith impacts these three areas. Faith impacts always, faith always impacts these three areas. And I want you to get this. About 14 years ago, Pastor Tony shared this with me, and I've never forgotten it. I've always remembered it. I, I got it written in the back of my Bible. I've got it in, 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 in two or three of my Bibles. In the very back, I've got it written down. But these are three areas that your faith will always impact. Number one, you can tell whether someone is in faith because their faith will impact their speech. Number one. Their faith will impact their speech. I can tell whether you're in faith by what you say. When, when, when things go bad and you're talking about you don't know how you're going to make it, you can't believe this happened to you, you don't understand why you're going through, why you, Lord, I can tell you're not in faith then. Why? Because your faith is always going to affect your speech or your lack of faith will, will impact your speech. Number two. I can tell whether you're in faith by what you do because your faith will always impact your actions. Your faith will always impact your actions. God tells you to give. You say, well, I don't have enough to give. So you, you think you don't have enough to give. So you dismiss what God told you to do and then you don't do it. Me looking at that, I can see you're not in faith. But God tells you to give. You say, I really don't have enough to give, but God is faithful. If he said it, I'm going to obey his word and you do it. I can also see that and I see what faith looks like in your life then. So faith always impacts these three areas. It impacts your speech. It impacts your actions. But number three is the one we're going to talk about today. And if you've been following, you can almost guess what number three is. Faith always impacts your obedience. Faith always impacts your obedience. Faith impacts three areas always, either positively or negatively, depending on whether you have it or you don't have it. It impacts your speech, it impacts your actions, and it impacts your obedience. And this morning, that's what we want to talk about. Why obedience is so important to God. Why obedience is so important to God. We're going to go to Isaiah, um, Isaiah uh, chapter one, Isaiah chapter one uh, is where we're going to go, and and I and I know that we we typically quote Isaiah one nineteen, 
um, we almost always quote Isaiah 119 because it says something to the degree that if you're willing and obedient, you shall do what? You shall eat the good of the land. But but it's problematic to me when when we just quote that and we don't understand the context around why that was said. So this morning we're going to read for a little bit. I'm going to do a little explanation and I'm going to give you these little eight. Um, well, not little, but I'm going to give you these eight um, reasons why obedience is important to God to help give you some foundation for what we're going to talk about next week, which is the benefits of our obedience. All right. So let's go to Isaiah chapter one. If you got a Bible at your house, I encourage you to grab it. Uh, it's a lot for them to just put all on the screen because I'm, I'm probably going to read. I don't know, a bunch of verses, uh, but I, so I don't know if they can put it all on the screen or not. If you got another tablet or a phone or something beside you, whatever you use, grab your Bible and go with me to Isaiah chapter one. Because in Isaiah chapter one, and let me just kind of explain this. Uh, what we see here is the prophet, um, the prophet Isaiah uh, gets this vision from God. He gets this uh, this this revelation from God and then God sends him uh, to speak on his behalf and if you if you study this out you understand that it's almost like a courtroom scene it's like a plaintiff and a defendant um, and, and, and although it's Isaiah speaking uh, he is speaking on behalf of God and, and he's speaking to all of these kings. He's speaking to the people of, of, of Jerusalem and and, 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 and and you have to understand that during that time People truly believe that those prophets heard from God. So when a prophet came and said he had a word, uh, people didn't dismiss that. They listened to it. And so I want to read uh, what it was that was happening, what it was transpiring here, so that you understand why obedience is so important to God. I'm going to start reading. I think I got the message translation, but you read out of whatever translation you have, and uh, we'll all eventually end up at the same place. Amen. So Isaiah chapter one, it says, this is the vision that Isaiah saw regarding Judah and Jerusalem during the time of all the kings of Judah. Verse two says, heaven and earth, you are the jury. Listen to God's case. He says, I had children and I raised them well. Remember, this is God speaking through Isaiah. He says, I had children and I raised them well. And then they turned on me. He says, the ox knows who's the boss and the mule knows the hand that feeds him, but not Israel. Now, this is important. Why does he say this? Because you have to understand that, that during this time, um, they understood that ox and, and, and donkeys were considered to be beasts of burden. They were considered to be dumb animals. They were considered to be just, just workers. They didn't have a, a lot of intellect or foresight or thought. And God comes and God says, listen, I had these children. Israel belongs to me. And somebody says, well, why is he talking about this? Well, remember, when we're born again, we're grafted in. And so even though he's talking about them, this can apply to many of us today. He says, I had children and I raised them well, but they turned on me. He says, the ox knows who's the boss, the mule or the donkey knows the hand that feeds him, but not Israel. He says, these dumb animals understand who takes care of them, but yet my children act like they don't even, they're not even as smart as an ox, as smart as a, a, a donkey. They don't even realize that I'm the one who takes care of them. He says, my people don't know up from down. He said, it's a shame. 
They are some misguided God dropouts. Now think about that. This is what God is saying about his children. He said they are some misguided God dropouts, staggering under their guilt baggage. They are a gang of miscreants, band of vandals. He says, my people have literally walked out on me. They're God. They have turned their backs on the Holy One of Israel. They have walked off and never looked back. Now, why is God saying all this? Because he had given them so many instructions in order to cause them to live the blessed life. But because they didn't honor God, because they didn't obey God, they totally got off track. And now here is God describing what they are like. He called them misguided God dropouts. Do you understand how bad they must have been behaving? How much sin they had gotten into because of their disobedience? In verse number five, he says, why bother even trying to do anything with you? When you just keep on being bullheaded in your ways, he says, you keep beating your head against brick walls. Everything within you protests against me. Do you understand that when we are disobedient to God, that's how it appears? He says, everything that is in you protests against me. God says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly to the full and to it overflows. He said, but the reason I can't get the overflowing life to you is because everything within you protests against me. You rebel against me. You keep beating your head against a brick wall. He says, why should I even bother except that I love you? Except that I love you, I keep talking to you about doing the things I've asked you to do because I want you to live the blessed life, but you keep protesting against me. He says, from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, nothing is working out. My God. He says, nothing is working out. You keep getting these great ideas. You keep thinking this is going to be the next big thing. You keep thinking you just need one more contact. You keep thinking you just need one more network. You think you just need a little more money. You think you just need to move to another city. He says, no, because you're rebellious and because you're disobedient, nothing from the soles of your feet to the top of your head is ever going to work out. He says, literally, he says, from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, nothing is working out. Wounds and bruises and running sores, untended, unwashed, and unbandaged. He says, your country is laid waste and your city is burned down. Now, when I read that, I had to go back and do a little study because what you find out is that when God was speaking to them, he wasn't actually talking about the fact that they had real sores on their head or that they had real wounds that wasn't uh, unattended to. What he was really getting at was, he said, because of your disobedience, nothing is working for you. So every time you try to do something that you think is gonna prosper you, it creates another injury. It creates another wound. He said, and the reason it's unattended because you won't run back to me. You keep trying to do something else. You keep trying to figure out another way. He said, and the wounds just get worse and they get more infected and you get more injury and more injury and more damage. Why? Because you will not listen and hearken unto my voice. You think I'm a hard taskmaster. You think I don't want you to have fun. You think I don't want you to be in a position to be able to be a blessing to other people because that's what he was calling 
calling Judah in, 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 in Jerusalem to do to be a blessing to other nations. He says, I only ask you to obey so that I can put you in a position to make you the head and not the tail. He said, but everything in you protests against me. He said, now your land is destroyed by outsiders while you sit around and watch. It's been reduced to rubble by barbarians. He says, daughter of Zion is deserted like a tumble down shack on a dead end street. Listen, I don't know if you get this or not, but if you understand God is describing the life of his children when they disobey him. He said, your life looks like a tumbled down shack on a dead end street. You look like a tar paper shanty on the wrong side of the, of the shacks. Now, if you understand anything about the South, you understand what a tar paper shanty is. It's what the slaves used to live in. It was really just some wood with some tar slapped together, just barely standing up. He said, that's how raggedy your life looks when you disobey me. He says, literally, your land is destroyed by outsiders while you watch, reduced to rubble by barbarians. That's the reason I tell people in our church, don't you allow outsiders to hear this word and get their life changed while you are connected and belong here. This word belongs to you, but because you are protesting against the things of God in your life, you end up having your life look like some tumble down shack on a dead end street or like some tar paper shanty on the wrong side of the tracks. Listen, you ought to go ahead right now. If you've been disobedient to God in any area, you ought to just type in the comment section. I repent. We don't need to know what it's for. You can just make a decision today. I repent. God, I'm sorry for disobeying you. I had no idea that this was the picture I was presenting to heaven every time I disobeyed. God, I repent. Not I'm sorry. I repent. That means I make the decision to turn my ways, to do a 180. If I was going left, now I'm going right. If I was going right, now I'm going left. I am doing it your way. He goes on to say, he says, you're like a sinking ship that's been abandoned by the rats. Now, you know how bad that is when a ship gets ready to go down, even the rats start jumping off, even the rats start leaving. He said, that's what your life is looking like because you're choosing not only to disobey me, but you're choosing not to run to me when you realize you've been disobedient. He says, don't keep trying to figure this thing out yourself. Run back to the word that I gave you. Run back to what I told you. Run back to how I said do it. I don't care what anybody else is telling you. Don't allow your flesh to cause you to protest against everything I am saying. He says, now, if God of the angel armies hadn't left us a few survivors, in other words, if God hadn't left a remnant, a couple of people who still trust and believe God who's doing it his way. He says, if God hadn't left a few of them, we'd be as desolate as Sodom and doomed as Gomorrah. Verse 10, he says, now listen to my message, you Sodom school leaders, and receive God's revelation. You Gomorrah school people. Now, why did he say receive the revelation? Because he knew in order for them to walk in any truth, they had to get revelation first. So he's having this conversation through Isaiah to the kings of, of, of Judah and Jerusalem. And he's speaking then to them. And he's being very graphic in his description to them because he wants them to know, I need you to get a revelation that disobedience is not the way of life. 
and that obeying me is not a hard job. In fact, obeying me leads you to the blessed life. In verse 11, he says, why this frenzy of sacrifices? I like this. He starts talking to them about all the sacrifices they bring because they was, they was living willfully disobedient to the Lord, to all the things he had told them. But what they were doing is they was going and making these sacrifices and they were offering up bulls and doves and all of these things. And, and God was sick of it. And what he says to them is, why this frenzy of sacrifices? He says, don't you think I've had my feel of all these burnt sacrifices, rams and plumped up grain fed calves. He says, don't you think I've had my feel of blood from all of these bulls and lambs and goats? He says, when you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this? He says, whoever told you that it was cool that you could be disobedient as long as you went to church? Who told you it was okay to disobey me as long as you fast every now and then? Who gave you the idea that it was cool for you to disobey me all week long and then come to church and lift your hands and offer me up some worship and think I'm supposed to be cool with that? He said, who gave you this idea? I'm sick of your fake worship. I'm sick of your fake prayers. I'm sick of your fake giving. He said, don't give me no sacrifice. Offer me obedience, which is why the Bible says that if you love God, then keep his commandments. He said, the way I love, I know you love me is not by all these sacrifices that you're giving. I know that you love me because you obey what I've instructed you to do. He says, look at you running here and there doing this and that. All this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship. He says, you come in here acting a plum fool, offering me up stuff that I ain't even asked for. I didn't ask for your sacrifices. I didn't ask for your bulls. I didn't ask for your rams. I didn't ask for your fatted calf. I didn't ask for your fake worship. He says, what I asked of you was simply to obey the instruction that I have given you so that you can live your best life and I can be good to you. I don't know, I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody else need to go ahead and just do it again. Say, Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. This is a tough word, but I repent. I need this word because it sets up the foundation for what I'm going to get next week. But Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for disobeying. I'm sorry for thinking it was cool for me to just give you enough money in the offering to compensate for my disobedience during the week. God, I'm sorry that I fast on Tuesday for prayer, but I don't listen to you any other time during the week. God, I'm sorry that I keep calling you Lord, Lord, but do not what you say. God, I repent. Listen, look at what it says in verse 13. He says, quit your worship charades. My God. Listen, if you've never had the Lord to speak to you like this, I submit to you that you're not opening up your ear to the Holy Spirit enough because when God gets sick, and yes, he does, when God gets sick of us not living our best life, he didn't get sick of us. He gets sick of us not living our best life. And when he gets sick of us not living our best life, he speaks to us in a manner that grabs our attention so that we can stop protesting against him, so we can stop having our lives look like some torn down shack on the dead end street or some tar paper shanty on the wrong side of the tracks. He says, I need you to live like the king I called you to be. He says in verse things, so quit with all your worship charades. He says, I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbath, 
special meetings, meeting after meeting after meetings. He said, I can't stand one more of them. Don't you have near another conference? Don't you have near another Bible study? I said near another. Don't you have near another meeting until you learn to obey me? Because I can't stand your meetings. I can't stand your special days. I can't stand your conferences. What I need from you is for you to obey me so I can be as good to you as I've purposed in my heart to be. I don't need you to do all this external performance. In fact, he says, quit with the worship charades. My God. He says, you have worn me out. <laughs> Praise God. He says, you have worn me out. You, you have taken me to the brink. I am sick of your stuff. I need you to obey, Judah. I need you to obey, Jerusalem. I have called you to a higher level. You are the head and not the tail. But you can't be the head if you're not willing to obey. He says, I'm sick of it. He says, you have worn me out. I'm sick of your religion. He says, while you go right on sinning, you keep doing religion, religion, religion. He says, I'm sick of all of that. He says, when you put on your next prayer performance, my God, he said, the next time you wake up at 5 a.m. to pray and ask me for something and spend the next 23 hours not obeying me, he said, the next time you put on your prayer performance, just remember, I'm sick of it. He said, and when you're doing it, he says, just know this, I'll be looking the other way. He says, no matter how long or how loud or how often you pray, he said, I ain't paying you no attention. My God, I ain't paying you no attention, Israel. Why? Because you won't obey. He says you can pray all day long. You can pray as much as you want and as loud as you want. I am sick of your religious antics. He says I am sick of your, your, your worship charade. He says, I'm sick of all of your meetings. I'm sick of all these conferences. I'm sick of all these Facebook lives you're doing, but you ain't living what you're preaching. He says, I need you to obey. My God, <laughs> he says, no matter how long or how loud or how often you pray, he says, I won't be listening. He says, and do you know why I won't be listening? He said, because you've been tearing people to pieces and now there's blood on your hands. He says, go clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. He says, you need to learn to say no to wrong. My God. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I say no to wrong. I say no to wrong. I say no to wrong. Somebody said, this is tough. Yeah, it's tough, but it gets better because God never leaves us like this. Sometimes he has to rebuke us in order for him to bless us. He says this. He says, you need to learn to say no to wrong and learn to say yes to what's good. Work for justice Help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, and learn to go to bat for the defenseless. That's why when folks be talking about this stuff about God's not a social justice warrior, they don't know God. Jesus literally says, stand up for the homeless and go to bat for the defenseless. God is a social justice warrior. Amen. He says, you need to obey me, and then these are the things you need to do. Stand up for the homeless and go to bat for the defenseless. And then we get into verse verse 18. Because now he's he, he's finished his, his opening comments in the courtroom against Judah and Jerusalem and against all of Israel. 
And then in verse 18, he says, now come and sit down with me. Let's argue this out. He says, this is God's message. If your sins are blood red, I can make them as white as snow. He says, and if they're red like crimson, then they can be like wool. He says, if, here's a statement, all of this to get to this. If you're willing, if you willingly obey, he says, you will feast like a king. But if you're willful and stubborn, in other words, if you're disobedient, if you insisted upon doing it your way, he says, then you're going to die like dogs. He said, that's right. I said so. He says, if you are willing, uh, willingly obedient, or if you willingly obey, you're going to feast like a king. He said, but if you're stubborn, if you're willful, if you're insisting on doing it your own way, he said, you're going to, and, and when we talk to our kids, we talk like this, you're going to die in the street like a dog. You're going to die in the street like a dog. One translation in the King James says it like this. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I like the Passion Translation because it says, if you have a willing heart to let me help you, and if you will obey me, then you will feast on the blessings of an abundant harvest. My God, that's good. That's, that's Isaiah um, one nineteen and twenty in the Passion Translation. He says, if you are will, if you, if you have a willing heart to let me help you. Notice what he says here. He says, if you will just be willing to let me help you, he says. Then literally, he says, if you if you're willing to let me help you and you're willing to obey. He says, you're going to feast on blessings of an abundant harvest. So when the Lord started telling us back in November that this is the year of great harvest, see, this all connects. He says, this is the year of great harvest. What he was also saying is this is the time for great obedience. This is the time for great obedience. You understand that? This is the time for great obedience. Now, I have a few more minutes because I gave y'all a lot of announcements. So y'all hang in there with me for just a minute. Let's talk about why obedience is so important to God. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has a lot to say about obedience. So much to say about obedience. In fact, in Deuteronomy 11, 26 and 28, it pretty much sums it up by saying this. It says, obey and you'll be blessed. Disobey and you're going to be cursed. So God has this system in play where we can obey him and be blessed. Or we can disobey him and be cursed. But watch this. We get to choose. He doesn't force us one direction or the other. He prods us into obedience because he knows it's the best for us. But he will allow us to be disobedient. He will speak to us while we're dis being disobedient because he's a loving father. God does not ever stop calling us his children just because we disappoint him through disobedience. And let me say this for those who are listening and those who will say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Edwin is preaching about works. No, I'm not. Hear me when I say this. Obedience does not produce justification. What do I mean by justification? Obeying God doesn't secure my salvation. I am not saved by works. It is by grace alone. Okay, so 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 obedience does not produce justification. However, obedience always leads to manifestation. Obedience always leads to manifestation. So if I want to manifest what God has promised, the only avenue to that is through obedience. How do I know that? Even with salvation, 
He says, here is the process for accepting salvation. If I'm not obedient to that process, I don't even receive justification. So while, while, while obedience in and of itself doesn't produce justification, only the grace of God does. Obedience always leads me to manifestation. So don't let somebody tell you that you don't have to obey God because you're saved already. You're saved, but you are not delivered from not receiving the promises unless you obey. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen, but they are yes and amen if I go through him. I have to obey him in order to receive those promises. Amen. So understand this. In the New Testament, we learn through the example of Jesus Christ that believers are called to a life of obedience. Now, y'all know me. I like to have working definitions because when you have a working definition, it puts everybody on the same page. Amen. It puts everybody on the same page. The general concept of obedience, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, relates to hearing or hearkening to a higher authority. When I say that word hearkening, uh, that's not clearing your throat. <laughs> Amen. When I say hearkening, I'm talking about hearing and doing. Okay. So the general concept of obedience, both in the Old and New Testament, relates to hearing or hearkening to a higher authority. One of the Greek terms for the word obedience in the Bible conveys the idea of positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority or command. Uh, it's like in the military. Uh, in the military, if, if you're in the Navy and you have, an, you have an admiral, okay? Well, there are a lot of levels under the admiral. So whoever is under that level, they are submitting themselves under that authority, meaning that they are willing to follow the command of the person in higher authority. So when we talk about obedience to God, we are acknowledging that God is a higher authority. He is, he is the, the top admiral, if you will, and we are whatever rank we are, but all of them are under him. So we are to be obedient and follow those commands. There's another Greek word for obey in the New Testament, and that word means to trust. And I like that definition because when you think about obeying God, you people hear obey and they think of, of servitude. They think of something that is that is harsh. They think of something that is dominated. But the truth of the matter is when I say I obey God, I'm really saying I trust God. I trust God. I obey God. I give you a prime example. The Bible says that Jesus came and he saw Peter and Peter and, and some of the people who were with Peter, they had been fishing all night. And the Bible says that they had been cleaning their nets that morning because you understand during fishing time, they fished at night. When the, day, when the sunlight came up, the fish didn't, didn't, didn't bite, so they were taking their nets out of the water. They were cleaning their nets. Somebody says, why were they cleaning their nets? Because the water was salt water, and if they had just left the salt water on there over time, it would deteriorate the nets. So it took them a great deal of time to make sure they got all of the salt water off of their nets. The Bible says they had put all of that stuff up, and Jesus comes to them, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to take your boat, and I want you to cast out into the deep. He says, not only do I want you to cast out into the deep, I want you to cast your net back into the water. Now, Peter and them were fishermen. They understood that this is not the time of the day that we should be fishing. And not just that, but we just got through washing these nets. Can you imagine what it would be like for you to have cleaned your entire kitchen from cooking an entire Thanksgiving meal? Nobody ate a single piece of it. You put all the food up. You, you put everything away, you clean the whole kitchen, and then Jesus walks in and says, hey, 
I want you to cook a whole nother Thanksgiving dinner. That's how Peter and them were feeling. They were like, wait a minute. I've been cleaning these nets all morning. I've been up all night. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home, get some sleep and hopefully tomorrow be better. Jesus says, nope. I want you to take your boat. I want you to go cast out into the deep and I want you to cast your net on the other side. I'm sure they were looking at each other thinking, is this man crazy? Is he insane? Does he not know what it takes to, to clean all these nets after we put it back in this salt water? But you know what? They said, nevertheless, if you say so, in other words, what they were saying is, God, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. The Bible says that they did exactly what Jesus says. It says, and even though they didn't catch no fish the night before, when it was supposed to be fish, it says they caught so many fish. They had to hearken to their, to their friends to come and help them and pull all the fish in the boat and in their friend's boat. And it was so much fish that as it was going back to shore, the boat started to sink. They had got more fish than they ever had. In fact, they got so much fish, they were able to sell the fish and go into ministry full time. My God, think about this. What if you just obeyed God today? on one thing and it was divine enough to cause you to go into whatever you want to do full time listen this word obedience means to trust god it means to trust god listen the holman's illustrated bible dictionary uh gives us a very succinct definition of biblical obedience which means to hear god's word and act accordingly so that's the definition we're going to use. When we talk about obeying God, it means to hear God's word and act accordingly. To hear God's word. Somebody type that in there. Obedience means to hear God's word and act accordingly. I like how Pastor Sean said that. I hear God's word and I act accordingly. Type that in there. I hear God's word and I act accordingly. Why? Because the biblical definition of obedience means to hear, it means to trust, it means to be submitted, it means to surrender to God and his plans and to do what he says. So I understand that obedience literally means to hear God's word and to act accordingly. Amen? So real quick, let me give you these eight reasons why obedience is important to God. Obedience is important to God the overarching reason is because he loves us. He says, if you love me, keep my commandment. By, by being obedient to God, it is a constant demonstration to us and to heaven that we love God. He says, you, ain't gotta, you don't have to give me money to show you love me. You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast, except that those are my commandments to do so. He said, but the, the individual things don't matter. What matters is what I'm commanding you to do. And anything God, anything God asks us to do is a commandment. Let me help you. <clears throat> Some of you think that when God tells you something, it's a suggestion. <laughs> Nothing from the king is a suggestion. Paul for dramatic effect. <laughs> Nothing from the king is a suggestion. You don't go to a kingdom and the king says, oh, I think I would like for all of my subjects to bow down at five o'clock. And some of y'all say, well, I don't think I want to do that. And the king go, well, if you don't want to, that's cool. Listen, understand, not bowing down to the king almost cost a man his life. You understand that? You know the story. The king said that when the, when the, when the horn blew, everybody was supposed to bow down. And the man of God said, I'm not doing that. He said, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to open up my window and I'm going to keep praying. And whatever they do to me, they do it. He said, if God can protect me, then so be it. And if he don't, oh, well. 
He said, but what I won't do, what I won't do is go against what I know to do that's right for God. My God. So here are the eight reasons why obedience is so important to God. Number one, overall, just again, overarching, because God loves us, because he loves us. But number one is because Jesus calls us to obey. Number one is because he calls us to obey. In Jesus Christ, we find the perfect model of obedience. As his disciples, we too are to follow Christ's example, as well as his commandments. Our motivation for obedience must always be love. It can't be the stuff, guys. You can't, you can't want to obey God because you want the stuff. The stuff is great, but that can't be your motivation. Because the moment you don't see the stuff, you'll stop obeying. Your motivation for obedience must always be love. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So why is obedience, why is obedience important to God? Number one, because Jesus calls us to obey. He calls us to obey as a demonstration of our love. Amen. The Bible says that even Jesus had to learn obedience. So I'm not saying that you're supposed to be perfect with it, but as you're growing in the word of God, you ought to become less and less disobedient at least. Number two, why, 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 why is it that obedience is important to God? Number two, because obedience is an act of worship. Number two, obedience is an act of worship. When the Bible places, the, well, the Bible places a strong emphasis on obedience, it's critical to remember that as believers, as I said before, we're not justified or made righteous by obedience. Salvation is a free gift of God and we cannot do anything to, to merit it or to earn it. True Christian obedience, though, flows from a heart of gratitude for the grace that we have received from the Lord. So I don't obey God to be saved, but I do obey God because I love him. And it's, an, it's, it's a demonstration of my heart to show him how much I love him because he did save me. He did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. It's my, my obedience is a way to say thank you. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, my obedience is a way to say thank you. When I obey God, it is a way for me to say, God, I thank you. It's a way for me to say, God, I appreciate you. And I know people hear this and people are like, man, all this obedience talk. Listen, I can't talk to you about the year of great harvest. I can't talk to you about the last five months being better than the next seven. I can't talk to you about it is what you say it is. I can't talk to you about, about, about faith beyond uh, uh, limits unless, unless you understand all of that um, is, is a prerequisite uh, or, or, or obedience is a prerequisite for all of that other stuff. So number two, obedience is an act of worship. You have, to, you have to let your life be a living sacrifice. When we obey God, that's what we're doing. I'm not giving him bulls and rams and, and doves that he's sick of. When I obey God, I become the sacrifice. Through obedience, I am the sacrifice. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and 1, it says that we have to, uh, we, we, Romans 12 and 1 and 2, it tells us we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we become a holy and acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Why? Because we become the sacrifice. Say that. Say, when I obey God, I become the sacrifice. See, he's never sick of me. 
He can get sick of bulls and rams and bullocks and all that, but he's never sick of me every time I obey God. Watch this. Even if I disobey God and I return to him and say, God, I missed it. I want to serve you. Help me do better. You become the sacrifice. He never gets sick of you. <laughs> Somebody needs to type that in the comment section. He never gets sick of me. God loves you. He never, ever gets sick of you. Understand when we were talking about those people in Isaiah chapter one, these were God's chosen people. They had literally turned their back from serving God. They had sinned over and over and over again through their disobedience, but God never stopped calling them his children. He never stopped calling him his children. Even though he was disappointed in their rebellious attitudes and their behaviors, he never stopped calling them his children. Why? Because God always intended Israel to be a channel of blessings to other nations. He doesn't give up on us. His desire is for us to be a channel of blessings to other people. That's the reason he calls us back to him. In fact, God says that we are still his chosen people. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood unto him. And he expects us to obey. Amen. Number three. Why is obedience so important to God? Number one, we said because Jesus calls us to obey. Number two, we said because obedience is an act of worship. And then number three is because God rewards obedience and he wants to reward us. God sets up a system whereby he can reward his children. He wants us to obey. It's important to him. So he gets to reward us. Over and over again, we read in the Bible that God blesses and rewards obedience. We see this in Genesis 22 and 18. He says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you obeyed me. He says, I'm going to bless other people because of your obedience. Listen, there are people right now in your life who are going to be blessed because you obey God. You begin to obey God in certain areas of your life and God changes your life. He elevates your life. He lifts you to a higher place of living. And then all of those people who are connected to you, they see that. And as you go up, you can pull them up. As you begin to obey God more, you can teach them what to do. So there are literally people whose lives are connected to you. They are waiting for you to show up and be obedient to God so that you can get elevated, so that they can get elevated. Praise God. God. God rewards obedience. The Bible says in Luke 11 and 28, it says, but even more, it says, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So you can't just be a hearer of the word. It's great to come to church. I saw somebody the other day, they posted something in Facebook. It says, don't tell me how many scriptures you can quote. Tell me how many scriptures you can live. Don't tell me how many you can quote. Tell me how many you can live. The Bible says in Luke 11 and 28 in the New Living Translation, it says, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God. And that's a conjunction. It means it, can, it connects two things. So I'm hearing the word and I'm putting it into practice. So God rewards the obedient. So why, why, is obedience important to God? why is obedience important to God? Because God wants to reward us, but he needs us to be uh, obedient in order for that to happen. Number four, we're halfway there. Number four, obedience to God proves our love. I said that one already. Number four, obedience to God proves our love. I told you, he said in his word, he says, if you love me, then do what? Keep my commandments. 
The book of first and second John clearly explained the obedience that obedience to God demonstrates the love of God. First John five, two and three says it this way. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Understand, the Bible is littered with us reminding us that if we love God, we ought to keep his commandments. And remember, anytime the king speaks to us, it's not a suggestion. It is a commandment. The Bible says in 2 John 6, it says love means nothing. Uh, uh, or it says love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another. Just as you heard from the beginning. He says, so if you're not loving your neighbor, that's a commandment. If you're not loving your neighbor, you can't say that you're loving God. So number four, obedience to God proves our love. So number one, we said Jesus uh, calls us to obey. Number two, we said obedience is an act of worship. Number three, we said God rewards obedience and God wants to reward us. And then number four, we said it's a demonstration or it proves out our love for God. Number five, obedience is a demonstration of our faith. Remember when I started uh, teaching this morning, I said faith always affects three areas of our life. You remember that? I said faith affects our speech, it affects our action, and then it affects our obedience. Obedience to God demonstrates our faith. Obedience to God demonstrates our faith. I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week, so I won't go into that as much. I'll talk about that when I talk about the benefits of our obedience. Number six, why is obedience so important to God? Obedience is better than sacrifice. We read through that. We talked about why that was important. God doesn't want all of this religious stuff that we do. What God wants is for us to be the sacrifice. He wants us to obey him. In fact, the whole phrase, obedience is better than sacrifice, is often perplexed many believers, but it can only be understood, again, from that Old Testament perspective of how God was fed up with Judah and he was fed up with Jerusalem and all of Israel. He was fed up with all of the stuff they were bringing and giving him, but yet they were disobeying him. In fact, when that, when that, when that, when that, in verse two, when we were reading through that this morning, you understand that he literally said to them, he said, I have children and I have raised them well. He said, but now they done turned their back on me. Can you imagine as a parent how disappointing it is for you to, to raise your children and know you raise them the right way and then they grow up and they act like you ain't never taught them nothing? We don't want to be those kind of people where God is concerned. Amen? And, and, and watch this. If we've done it to God, no wonder our kids do it to us. That's a whole other subject. I'm going to say law on that one. You want your kids to obey you? Start being obedient to God. And then number seven, the seventh reason of why obedience is so important to God is because disobedience leads to sin and death. God does not want us in the realm of sin and death. He wants us to obey. The disobedience of Adam brought sin and death into this world. This is the basis of the original sin, disobedience. God says to them, hey, look, here's an entire garden. We don't know how vast it was, but we know God's character says, and we know it's got to be pretty vast. It had four different rivers that ran through it. It had gold, it had silver, it had uh, emeralds and diamonds all in the rocks and stuff. So we know it was vast. He says, look, you can eat of every single tree and plant in this garden. 
But this one tree that's in the midst, don't touch it. That's all I ask of you. And we know the story. We know how the enemy came and deceived Adam and Eve into, 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 into eating the, the fruit. We don't know if it was an apple, but it was some kind of fruit that they ate of that tree. And as a result, mankind fell into sin. Don't let one sin cause you and your generation to suffer. Don't allow it. Be obedient to God. God says, I want you to be obedient. Obedience is important to me because I know disobedience leads to sin and death. The Bible says it like this in Romans 5 and 19. It says, for as by one man's, Adam's, disobedience, many were made sinners. So that by one man's, Christ, by one man, Christ, obedience may, may well be made righteous. He says, look, one man got us into sin, but one man got us out of sin. Don't go back to what Adam did. Stay here. Stay here. We almost made it. I, I, I got, let me get uh, IG started back real quick. I can do this pretty quick, I believe. Uh, here we go. All right, IG's coming back. We're still on point number seven, IG. Don't you worry. We were talking about disobedience leads to sin and death. And then number eight, the final one is simply this. Why does God find obedience so important? Number eight, through obedience, we experience the blessing. That is why it's important to God. Because through obedience, we experience the blessing. We experience the blessing. I want to read something real quick before I go. It's Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation. Psalms 119, verse 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation says this. I love this scripture. It says, joyful are people of integrity. People who follow the instruction of of the Lord. So he divide, he defines for us what integrity is. It says joyful are the people of integrity, those who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions, praise God, would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commandments. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I'm telling you, when I read that a couple weeks ago, it got all over me. I don't want to be ashamed when I compare my actions and my life with his commandments. He says, as I learn righteous regulations, as I learn more about God, more about his character, more about the way of doing things, he says, I will thank you by living as I should. Did you hear me? He says, as I learn more about you, I am going to thank you, not by clapping my hands. I'm going to thank you, not by running around the church. I'm going to thank you not by, by giving you some money. I'm going to thank you not even by serving at the church. He says, I will thank you by living as I should. <laughs> My goodness. It, that's the thanks that God wants. How, how do we say thank you for saving us? By living as we should. 
He says, I will obey your decrees. And then he says this, Lord, please don't give up on me. In other words, I may not get it all right today, but I promise you my goal is to live as I should. And I'm going to work at it every day. Why? Because I do not want to be ashamed when I compare my life to your commandments. I do not want to look at my life and see what I have done and then compare it to your commandments and come up so short that I'm just ashamed of myself. I am going to do it your way. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I choose to do it God's way. He says in, in Psalms 119, he says, I will obey your decrees. He says, just don't give up on me. Joyful are the people of integrity. Who are the people of integrity? The people who follow his instructions. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one says this. It says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and our spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear, I don't like that word, because we reverence God. Because we reverence God. We have a, a holy respect for God. So let us get rid of everything that would defile us so that we can live out Psalms 119 so that we can be people of integrity. What are people of integrity? People who follow the instructions of God. Let us allow God to be good to us. Let us demonstrate to heaven how much we love God through our obedience and by obeying him. I am telling you, church, we are in a position this is the last Sunday in September. It is our 28th week. I'm telling you in August, God said the last five months would be greater than the previous seven. And since that time, everything Pastor Sean has been saying, everything Pastor Ralph has been saying, even what, what Pastor Chris is singing, what we've been praying about on Tuesday night is bringing us to this point that we want to get radical about our obedience. We want to get radical about our obedience because in radical obedience produces radical manifestation. God is not a hard taskmaster. He wants to be good to us. He wants us to obey because there are some things that he has set up in the kingdom that we can only have if we obey. And next week, when I come back, I'm going to show you those benefits. I'm going to show you how they're directly tied to obedience. It's not going to be some far stretch. It's going to be directly tied to obedience. There are some specific things like mercy and recompense. I ain't going to give them all to you today. But there are some specific things. You got to come back next week and hear. There are some specific things things that God ties to obedience that once we get revelation of it then we understand that obeying God opens the door that I can command yes command heaven to release those things in my life the problem is is the Bible says that sometimes we perish because we lack knowledge 
We perish because we don't have knowledge. Come back next week. I'm going to share with you some knowledge of some specific things. I'm not talking about some, uh, uh, you know, pie in the sky kind of stuff. You could get some specific things about eight, about seven to nine of them that God gives us specifically that are tied to our obedience. Amen. Listen, as I get ready to go, I, I don't know if Pastor Sean is coming or not. Yeah, Pastor is going to come up and say something to y'all, I guess. And, and, and here's what I want you to do. As she is coming, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even talk about it. She can talk about it. You know there's opportunity for you to give and those things. But before she comes to talk about that, here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to make the commitment that at every opportunity, you're going to try to obey God. Even if you miss it, I want you to, even if you miss it, I want you to acknowledge that you missed it and say, God, I missed it, but I want to obey you. I want you to, I want you to practice being proficient on obeying God, even in the little areas. Why the little areas? Because the Bible says it's the small foxes that destroy the vines. In other words, it's not the big foxes. The big foxes can just jump up there and grab the grapes off the vine. It's the little ones. They claw at the vine and end up destroying it. It's the little things that claw at you and end up destroying you and causing you to end up with these multiplicity of, of disobedient things in your life as opposed to the big thing. God says, don't murder. Okay, you ain't going to do that. But what about lying and gossiping? What about not eating what he's telling you to eat? What about not giving what he told you to give? Let's take care of the little things. Amen? Go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, I will take care of the little things this week. Come on, type that in the comment section as I go. I will take care of the little things this week. Amen. God bless y'all. I'll see y'all next week. I can't wait. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Great, great teaching today. Great, great teaching. want to encourage you to share this message with someone. Um, I just want to tell you the thing that I was thinking as he was teaching. I was thinking about um, any, if you're a parent out there, raise your hand if you're a parent out there. Um, and I was thinking about how, you know, as a parent, if your heart is to be a good parent, um, the only real thing your kids have to offer you is obedience, right? You, if you're a good parent, you want to be good to your children. You want to be good to them. You don't want them to struggle. You don't want them to learn lessons the hard way. You don't want them to fall down to know that it hurts. You know, Pastor Edwin and I were talking about this this week is that, you know, you know, I would say, you know, maybe even more so for a mother, you don't want your children to be beat by many stripes. You don't want life to beat them up. You don't want them to live and have these experiences, right? And, um, and, and the best thing you feel like your kids can give you is obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. I actually say that to my kids sometimes, man. If you love me, keep my commandments. And as he was teaching, I was thinking about how that desire that our kids would obey, because whatever we're telling them, we're telling them for their good, right? Whatever we're telling them, we're telling them for their good. Whatever God is telling us, he's telling us for our good. And I was thinking how it must grieve the heart of God 
to be able to see our past, our present, and our future simultaneously, and to know that our disobedience is causing us to live a life that he never intended for us to live, that is causing us to endure hurt and disappointment and wounds and trauma and need healing that he never intended for us to live. That's how I feel when my kids do things. I'm like, this is a really bad idea. Don't do this. And I was just thinking that I pray, I actually typed it in the comments, Lord, Holy Spirit, help our hearts care more about obeying you than having our own way. Because really the only thing that's wrong with many of us is that we're still so immature and so selfish, the mark of children, that we want to get the best of what God has and we want to do it our way. We don't consider that disobeying God is actually disrespectful. Now, most of the people I know on here, you believe that if your children disobey you, you consider it to be disrespectful. We grow up in homes. We have children. We won't even let say yeah to us, right? We like don't be disrespectful, but yet we will eat in ways God is telling us not to eat. We will continue in relationships that God has told us are not the one the one we won't give when he tell us to give we won't forgive when he tells us to forgive and then we say god i love you and i don't know about you but if you've ever had a disobedient kid tell you that they love you you kind of side on like if you've ever had been in a relationship with somebody who keep doing stuff to injure you and you and they they like i love you you got that side eye who else got that side eye but god is so gracious He's so gracious that no matter how many times we disobey, no matter how many times we make our bed in hell, literally there are some of you that are struggling, not because of the devil, but because of your own stubbornness, your own immaturity, your own commitment to go things your own way. You just cannot do what you want to do and get God's blessing. So what I'm inviting us, I love what Pastor Elwin said, I'm inviting us to purpose to be radically obedient. There are some friends in your life that God has told you they are not your friends. There are some relationships that you are entertaining that God has told you they, you should not be in relationship with them. I don't care how tingly they make you. I don't care that you don't feel like ain't nobody never loved you like that before. There are things you have said about yourself. There are things you, you think you're right to hold that grudge. You think you're right to match energy. I just heard that by the Holy Ghost that you treat people like they treat you. I am inviting you with Pastor Elwin to come into a space of radical obedience. I want to know, I want to see you type it. If you're willing to be radically obedient, you're willing to step your level up. You're willing to forgive. You're willing to give the way he says give. You're going to eat the way he says eat. You're going to obey the way he says obey. You're going to work at your job with the integrity. You go quit complaining about them Zooms and just be thankful that you're still employed. You're going to go and apply for another job because he told you to. You're going to go back to school. You're going to stop having a funky attitude. 
if I got some people out here, I see Cabrina, she said, I am willing to be radically obedient. I'm, I'm looking for the radically obedient people because what I believe is that for radical obedience, there is radical blessing. There is radical blessing. I am closing the door. I want you not ask God to come down. I, I see Pastor Chris say I'm all in. I want you to make a decision right now. I am closing the door. And I keep hearing this really strongly. And it's friendships, not romantic relationships that I hear, but it could be romantic relationships. There are some people you have given access to counsel you. There are some people you have given access to speak into your life and God has told you they should not have that access to you. Cut it off this week. Cut it off today. Do it today. There are some sites maybe you're on. There are some things you're doing. There's some music you're listening to. I see all of these people saying all in. And I declare that as you step into radical obedience, you are going to see that there is a radical grace to obey God. Oh, yes, there is. Grace is not a license to do what you want to do. Grace is the empowerment to do what the king wants you to do. Listen, Pastor Ellen is going to come back next week. I want you to be radically obedient in your giving today. What did God tell you to give? Are you a tither? Are you a sower? Do what God is telling you to do. Stop trying to get the maximum from God while you give him the minimum. And stop being frustrated with your kids about their practice disobedience when you're practicing disobedience. There are some people you need to clean up your diet. God's been talking to you about it. He's been talking to you about your diet. Come on, raise your hand. He's been talking to you about some com com conversations you're having. He's been talking to you about some people that you're entertaining. Close the door. Close the door. Why do I want you to close the door so badly? Pastor Edwin and I were talking about this on the way over here. We were talking about the many people who have quit preaching. You know why we can't quit preaching? Because God called us to do it. And so we want to see you win. We want to see your October, your November, and your December be better than the first part of the year. We want to see you increase. We want to see your relationships increase. We want to see your health increase. We want to see your finances increase. We want to see you have everything that God said, but you got to help. What do you need to do? Close the door. Come on, somebody say close the door. Close the door. And there are some things, even as I'm talking right now, there are people whose faces are coming up to you. There are situations that you didn't handle right last week. There are people you need to forgive. There are things you need to sow and give. I'm asking you right now by faith to close the door. Close the door. Once you know the will of God, stop conferring with flesh and blood. Once you know the will of God, Stop trying to get somebody to co-sign your disobedience because let me tell you something. I don't care if a hundred million people do it. If God say it's wrong, it's still wrong. I don't care if don't nobody else forgive. Forgiveness is still right. I don't care if don't nobody else live holy. Living holy is still right. So close the door. Pastor Edwin and I are praying for you. Want to encourage you to give this week. Want to encourage you. We have many ways that you can give. Tithely, text to give, push, pay, giveify. It's pinned. Thank you for your faithful giving. Thank you for the ways. Kenosha, love you so much. Praying for your full recovery. We um praying that um we're praying that you continue to give because of your giving. We are 
we are able to be a blessing to so many people. We've given to food programs. We've helped people be able to pay their rent. We've, I mean, we've just been able to do so many things. And the scholarships, right? That's all because of obedience. Want to remind you, listen, get Ralph's book. Get Chandra's book. Guys, get your kids. Get Kristen's t-shirt. And please, 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 get your kids into Victory Zone. Get your kids into Ignite. Why? Because we want to help them be everything they can be. Think about how many things you could have done better if you had known the heart of God earlier. We love you. We speak blessings over you. We pray for your increase. And we thank you for the supernatural grace. God, we thank you for the supernatural grace on your people to obey. I am obedient. Amen. We love you. We'll see you at Mindset Monday. We'll see you Tuesday night for prayer. We'll see you Wednesday for a refresh. And we'll see you right back here Sunday morning for Pastor Kristen worship. Listen, do me a favor. Here's what I want you to do. Share the pages. Share Kristen's page. Share Ralph's page. Um, share this page. Don't just wait till Sunday. Begin to talk about how these ministries are impacting you. Put it on your social media because let me tell you something. People may not always respond, but it doesn't mean that people aren't watching. And there are so many people to still impact by Jesus. All right. We love you and we out of here. Y'all have a great day. God bless you.